the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Uh, As always, thank you so much for joining us on a Sunday evening here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, We've been talking over the years about uh, problems with drug use and the uh, people of all ages here in Northeast Ohio, and as a matter of fact, throughout the entire state. And uh, we're we're revisited tonight with uh, someone, Amy Kuntz, who is with the Partnership for Healthy North Royalton, which... Although it's North Royalton, it's really something that can be done in any community here uh, in in the United States. Amy, thank you for joining us again. Well, thank you for having me again. I appreciate it, Nick. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I mentioned Partnership for a Healthy North Royalton. Uh, this, first off, is our local name, and I know there are other programs similar to this. Are they all called Partnerships for Healthy City X, or how do the names um, come into this? So the names come about usually um, by the coalition. So um, being a community-driven project, we like to have the input of the coalition. So usually the names come about with a decision of an advisory board or the coalition members themselves. They generate the ideas. So you're going to see different um, acronyms and um, different types of names for all of the coalitions nationwide, which it's actually great to see them. Most of them have some sort of partnership or advocacy or, you know, um, some sort of name to them that really talks about a collaboration with the community and um, all of the different facets that you're going to see um, in the community. Now, now I see from your website that uh, you mentioned the term coalition, and uh, there's listed, looks like, about um, uh, 12 different sectors that are involved in, in this uh, project. Uh, you have youth, parents, business, media, schools, youth servicing organizations, law enforcement, civic and volunteer organizations, religious fraternal organizations, healthcare professionals, state, local, and uh, other government agencies, and uh, other organizations involved in reducing substance abuse. Were, were these categories, are they all represented here in the um, what we call the PHNR? Um, with partnership, we definitely have a good um, cross-section of each of the sectors. Um, those sectors are defined by, um, so we're a federal government-funded um, grant-based program. So the um, government itself does set um, some guidelines, and that's through the Substance Abuse Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services, so SAMHSA, um, is one of the um, overriding organizations, and our Health and Human Services, which is HHS, um, as well as the federal government. So those are all federal government-run entities that kind of set up guidelines for um, the coalitions that are funded through the Drug-Free Communities Grant, which is what we currently have. 
Um, and um, there are different aspects of that that they have found the most successful coalition since 1997 when they started the drug-free committee grants. Um, they have certain things in common. So those are the best practices and guidelines that they have us. All 719 of us nationwide um, are following the guidelines that they were set for. So those sectors in North Royalton are well represented. Um, we definitely have a good, strong school representation because of the grant itself is through the North Royalton City School District, which encompasses the cities of North Royalton and Broadview Heights. Um, and we have a lot of businesses engaging, um, youth-serving organizations like the North Royalton YMCA and um, different businesses we have, you know, representing a good cross-section of, of who we are here in the community. I, I see on your advisory board, uh, it's made up of uh, representatives from uh, three of the major hospital groups here in northern Ohio, uh, the local police, as well as a hospitalization insurance company. And um, you have a, a representative from the commercial sector as well as, um, I notice, student representatives. What, what input do you get from students? Oh, they, I think, are our most valuable asset. Um, the students that we have, um, they're mainly high school students, but we work with high school and middle school age students. Um, they are our window into what's going on and what they're seeing in our community as youth. So our main focus is reducing youth substance abuse other than that community collaboration piece. And the students that we have representing um, our student body at the high school are definitely um, hugely important to what we do because as adults, we, you know, we kind of make assumptions on what is going on and those kids can definitely help us and direct us to, no, it's not this way, it's this way, and here's how we think that you should direct your messages. Sort so of those, a reality check of sorts. Sort of a reality yes, check. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, definitely. They, they keep it real, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, see if you guys are going off into some la-la land, uh, they'll bring you back down to earth as to what's really happening in the schools. Uh, yeah, because we can, like I said, we can make assumptions, but they're they're going to give us the truth, so that's important. Now, the funding for the uh, coalition is through a federal funding through what federal department? Um, that's the Health and Human Services wings of, of the department. So you know, we get um, through the you know different advocacy that we do. Different groups in the government are working together to create this program and keep it, you know, going mm -hmm. for as long as it needs to go. So you've got a bunch of different people working at a federal level and a state level and a local level to, you know, push these things forward. So there's a lot of different moving pieces with it. Now, how often does the grant have to be renewed? Is it an annual thing or a two- or three-year thing? And, and how much is it? And are there any matching funds required locally? So um, it is, we have to renew yearly. When you're granted um, the grant itself, um, it's a five-year time period. But every year we have to hit certain goals and provide certain data um, to maintain our status of being in good standing um, for the um, grant funding. 
So um, it is a five-year time period, and they want you to be self-sustaining or at least, you know, working towards self-sustainability at that point. And then um, you can reapply for years six through ten. Um, the matching has to be one-to-one. So the grant itself is $125,000 a year. And we have to match in-kind donations, so uh, volunteerism, um, people giving to the organization, um, providing services or whatever it is. Um, we have to match that one-to-one every year. And we have to keep track of that and provide that data um, to the reporting systems that we do for the government. Um, well, that, that's interesting. In- yeah, what, let me interrupt for a moment uh, because you described – you describe this not in just a cash matching. Apparently, there are other options on how you can match the federal funds. Absolutely. Yeah. Really? So, how, how does um, that work? When... <laughs> uh, yeah, how do we so, do that? Yeah, that's um, so volunteering actually has a dollar amount to it. So uh-huh. when we have an event where we have people show up and volunteer and help us, even students at you know that point, um, we can take that time amount and turn it into a cash equivalent. So a lot of our um, in-kind dollars um, are matched by people volunteering at our events or coming to our meetings or attending in in one way, shape, or form. We can then take that back and and put that towards the um, in-kind match that we have to do. Well, that's very good because, you know, we we just heard of a survey in North Royalton looking uh, at uh, service groups and volunteer opportunities generally. And a lot of people said they are interested in helping uh, out their community if it's in a meaningful way. So this mm-hmm. is a meaningful way to uh, actually volunteer and, and create a cash equivalent that will uh, help us get federal dollars. Now, now briefly, uh, we'll take a, about a moment, a minute here, and then we'll we're going to take a break and come back. But uh, briefly, what what all does the group do? I know we have it set up. You have a lot of representation. It's funded. You have volunteers, and it's about uh, doing something about drugs, getting that under control <laughs> or reducing it. So, yeah, how how do you right. do this? Right. So um, our biggest piece is educating our community, um, and whether that's a special event or getting into health classes or um, the things that we can provide and the things that we do provide for the community is a snapshot of what's what's going on. You know, you can read the police blotters and things like that and see that there is, you know, some sort of concern. But what's really going on in the schools, in the community, in the just in the general population of Northeast Ohio or nationally, because it's good to know where we are, you know, on a national scale as well. Um, to bring that information to everybody. I always say um, one day at a time, one person at a time, because if I can tell somebody something they didn't know yesterday and then they tell two or three of their friends, I feel like there's a wave of education going on that even extends beyond the time that we're spending with people. I see. We're talking to Amy Kuntz. Uh, She's the coalition director for the... um for the group in North Royalton that is uh, working with drug-free communities and a federal grant to reduce the uh, effect and the practice of using illegal drugs in, in our community as well as communities around the country. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back.
More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. How's your back? Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free. Hello. Mark Bush for GreaterThanHeroin.com. Our nation, our state, our county, and our local communities are in the midst of this crisis. It saddens us at Bush. We see firsthand the final outcome impacting families when overdose deaths occur. GreaterThanHeroin.com is a resource for everyone. Join us in our efforts. Email feedback at GreaterThanHeroin.com to help us defeat this crisis. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of the Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, this evening we're talking to Amy Coons, who's the Coalition Director for the Partnership uh, for a Healthy North Royalton, which is a federally funded program that uh, is available to all the different communities here in Ohio in order to create a task force like co- Coalition to go out and attack the, the drug problems that's uh, hurting our children and, and our adults. Amy, thank you again for joining us. Glad to be here. Uh, with regard to uh, the Partnership for a Healthy North Royalton, 
uh, and we're talking about uh, the, the monies and the volunteers. And we were just starting during the last segment to talk about what all do you do. Uh, and you said education and, and so forth. Uh, you've been doing this for about how long now? Um, for me, it's been about three years. And how long has the uh, coalition been uh, alive here in, in North Royalton? Um, we are coming up on the end of our fifth year here in North Royalton. During uh, those five years, are there some statistics where you can chart what has been happening with regard to uh, drug abuse here in, uh, in North Royalton and... Uh, whether or not your program has made any impact upon improving the situation? Well, that's actually a perfect question because uh, there is some positive news um, within North Royalton, and, and that's been kind of a, a story that we love to tell. Um, the uh, surveys that are done within the school district, which are anonymous within the student body, usually take place within the seventh grade level and the 11th grade level. So we're getting cohorts of data that overlap each other at this point. Um, and we're seeing some good trending when it comes to our students and the decisions that they're making and how they're perceiving um, risk of substances. So just to dive into that a little bit, um, the surveys themselves talk about what is the perceived risk of alcohol or tobacco or prescription drugs or illicit drugs. And um, our perceived risk um, has gone up, which is actually a good thing. Um, but it's seeing that the trend that the kids, the education that the kids are getting and the education that we hope that their parents are getting and then, you know, regurgitating at home um, are, is making a positive impact on the decisions that they're making with their friends um, in a social setting or by themselves as well. So we're happy to say we've seen some positive impact from programs that Partnership for Healthy North Royalton has put on, um, supplemental things that we're doing in the health classes that they get um, at the middle school and the high school. So that's kind of a, a little feather in our cap. I'd love to, you know, tout our um, awesome people that we work with in the community to bring the coalition members and give them some recognition. So that's been a, a great thing to find out over the last couple of years. Do, do we have any numbers uh, such as um, how many overdoses reported in uh, North Royalton, say, five years ago compared to how many overdoses are being reported? Well, trending-wise, we're kind of like on par with the national trend. So we have had seen an increase. Um, I could start probably about 2014 with some numbers. We had 15 overdoses in 2014 specific to um, opiates. So that's, you know, prescription opiates and or um, heroin. Um, in 2015, we almost doubled, um, and then we almost doubled again in 2016. Um, I think 2017, uh, the data itself is pretty stable. So 2016 to 2017, we're, we're still around the 60, mid-60s right now um, in North Royalton, um, as far as I know from the reporting that I have from our police and um, emergency medical teams. Well, the, well, the job's not done, up, apparently, uh, to keep going. Uh, of the different no, no. <laughs> uh, of the different uh, initiatives that you're you're doing, what seems to be the most effective and, and maybe has the best impact? 
the most positive feedback we get is when we're events either that we do that we're interacting one-on-one with parents or students seem to have a great impact um, that might not necessarily be your run-of-the-mill don't do drugs sort of thing but an activity associated with um, a lesson Um, very recently at the end of our school year right after the school year ended we had our picnic for prevention um, and had over a hundred attendees come and do various activities that were educational for themselves and or positive, because I like to put a positive spin, like one activity itself was planting the seeds of prevention where we had everybody write down a prevention goal um, or a healthy goal because we, you know, health and wellness involves good decisions and and that's a, a whole genre that we like to focus on as well. Put that in the bottom of the, you know, plant itself and then put a plan on top of it that they can then grow and nurture with the foundation of their positive goal on the bottom. So it was a, a really good, I got a lot of great feedback about how that was a very impactful, you know, okay, let's think of something that we want to focus on and then make that a foundation for a healthy lifestyle. So things like that, we get really good feedback and we hope that creates like a lasting impression on the families because it was a family activity. So the parents could do it with the kids and, you know, help their kids with their goals and talk to them, you know, hopefully starting a conversation about what they believe healthy decisions are going forward. So that stuff is is really positive and love to celebrate with our community there as well, which is kind of what that was another five years of, you know, prevention and advocacy for um, PH&R. So we were happy with that. You know, you mentioned uh, the statistics that were somewhat tracking along with national averages and the number of drug overdoses. And uh, for 16 and 17, you mentioned around the 60, 65 uh, level. Uh, for 2018, mm-hmm. we're, we're past the half-year point. Uh, do we have numbers? Are we tracking about the same, or is it getting worse or stable or any improvement? Um, we've seen a, a marginal improvement, um, and I'm talking specific for the county. I have uh, half your county data. I just um, heard a presentation, uh, PHNR, myself and, and my um, co-worker, Sherry Stafford, were part of the Cuyahoga County Opiate Task Force. Um, and that's through the Cuyahoga County Board of Health. And then Dr. Gilson, our Cuyahoga County Medical Examiner, does do presentations. Um, so we've seen um, a trend. It went up a little bit from last year with the um, heroin, but we're seeing a trend downward um, at the first half of the year now. So that's kind of a, a positive if we're not trending upward. So that's, it's marginal, but we're optimistic that people are starting to get the message and understand the um, life-altering consequences that come with illicit drug use. Hey, is there anything the uh, legal government community can do to change laws or create new laws that uh, might have impact other than just coming up with new laws for the sake of new laws? Yeah, you know, um, we're seeing a lot, especially from the legal side, we're seeing a lot of um, trending more towards treatment rather than prosecution. Um, and, And that's kind of the change that is going on. There are laws at the state level that have been impactful for people. Good Samaritan laws um, and um, things like that 
have made an impact on saving lives and generally trying to help instead of incarcerate. So um, changing the stigma from, you know, ground zero to, you know, wherever, you know, someone with an addiction issue ends up is uh, what our law departments are doing and what our legal, mm-hmm. you know, our government entities are doing as well. You, you can't overdose on heroin if you can't get any. Uh, how engaged is your coalition with regard to understanding where the supply comes from and, and where the kids and, and adults are, are getting this in a place like North Royalton where you wouldn't think this would be a problem? Um, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately, you know, it, it's kind of everywhere, so we don't want to turn a blind eye to anywhere where it could be a problem. The stigma, like I said, is kind of... You know, uh, people who use heroin or abuse drugs are, you know, those that are under the bridges and, you know, look like drug users and whatever that conjures up in your brain. But the the truth is it's, you know, business people and, you know, well-to-do families and things like that. So changing that stigma is a big part of it. Um, The way that we can kind of identify where the you know things are happening is by keeping our eyes open basically Mm -hmm. i mean we don't get too much into you know identifying dealers or anything like that but because that's not our area of expertise that you know we leave that to the professionals obviously um but it's understanding like if our kids are asking for help because there's something going on at home or things like that getting them the resources that they really need starting with law enforcement or some sort of advocate for them. Well, we're going to have to leave it at that. Uh, We're talking to Amy Kuntz, and she is the uh, director for the the partnership for a healthy North Royalton, and I guess these programs are around the country. Uh, Amy, thank you so much. We'll have to get back with you again in a few months and find out how we're doing and whether we're making further headway against uh, drug overdose. That would be awesome. I look forward to speaking with you guys again. Thanks, Nick. Thank you so very much. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. How's your back? Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free. 50 cards, 50 questions. Hello, Mark Bush for just a conversation with you. Learn more about your loved ones by having the talk of a lifetime at your next family gathering. The deck of cards is offered free by Bush Funeral and Crematory Services. Request a deck of cards at bushcares.com 
backslash cards. 50 cards, 50 questions that will help you learn more about your loved ones. At Bush, we help families share memories. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of the Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. Welcome back. Cleveland Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the uh, next two segments, we're going to be talking about a topic that we all know about, we all fear, and we all rarely talk about and that is uh, dying. Uh, We humans only live so many years on this planet, and uh, death is inevitable, along with taxes. Uh, And uh, not often do we run into someone who has documented what is it like to face death and how to deal with it in our society here in 2018. Uh, With us tonight is Suzanne Desharm Hoban. Susan, thank you for joining us. It, it is, and as I mentioned, uh, we, we stay away from talking about this. It's sort of like the unthinkable. Uh, the unthinkable thing when it focuses on, on us personally, either as someone who's about to die or someone uh, close to our family or a close friend is faced with a life and death situation. Uh, you wrote a book uh, called Dying, Our Journey of Love and Loss, Dying Well, um, Tell us a, a little bit about uh, what what the story is that prompted you to write this book. Well, in 2009, my husband Bruce was diagnosed with a fast-growing late-stage cancer in his esophagus and liver. And it was a cancer where he only had about a 5% five-year survival rate when found at the stage that his was. But he was healthy, and, and we were very hopeful. He had treatment with some very aggressive chemotherapy, and we thought for a couple of months that he was in remission. But then all of the original tumors came back along with some of the new ones. When he was presented with the option of doing another round of chemo, but this one was a less potent drug because they had already given him the strongest they could, he decided to stop treatment and instead to try to live fully right up until the end and die at home. 
So our family had two and a half months with him that were um, some of the most joyous and celebratory and intimate that we had had in our 46 years together. And I later learned that that was not a typical experience. I went to a bereavement group, and the spouses there, both men and women, had just awful tales of tears and anger and regret and loneliness. And I knew I had a story to tell that was different, and hopefully that would help people. Throughout this journey, uh, from the time your husband and you received that first diagnosis of the dreaded cancer situation, uh, how did you did you decide to start keeping notes or, or something to uh, do this book ultimately, or did you go back and try to recapture some of your thoughts and feelings after your husband passed? Well, I kept a lot of notes because I'm um, I'm I'm a math computer science major who has done oh, okay. project management, so I naturally keep notes. But some of the things that that we did that helped our journey was when Bruce had his medical appointments. I would be taking notes. We both would be listening, and then when we got home after each appointment, we kind of debrief because he would learn things that I remember that I didn't, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I had documentation of all of those sessions. And then I also would, would Google something on the Internet, and um, so we had all the information. And we also started an email distribution list that we began by sending out to our family just to make sure that everybody was on the same page and we didn't need to call people. And then the distribution kept getting bigger, and it was forwarded on to other people. And by the time we got to the end, there were prayer groups in North Carolina and Indiana that we didn't even know about who were who were praying for him. So we we communicated a lot, and I had all of that information. And then the really dramatic parts are things that are just etched in your brain. Well, some of the dramatic parts, what, what were the most dramatic parts that you, you recall that, like you say, are etched into your brain? Well, when we found out that, actually, we, we pretty much knew that the cancer had come back um, before he got the official word from the oncologist, and that was when we were at our daughter's house. She lives in Nashville, so it was a, a trip to go down there, and had just had um, twin daughters who Bruce was afraid he would never meet. We were sitting at dinner, and um, I, I noticed, and we noticed, that Bruce was not really eating very much. And um, nobody said anything at the time, but, you know, I, I can see the food on the plate <laughs> that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we knew what was happening. And, and another one that was um, really dramatic, and especially for me personally, is that a few days before he died, as I was in the kitchen making food for myself, he couldn't eat. He told me that he wanted me to find somebody who would love me as much as he did. Oh, my. Which, of course, I remember every every detail of that scene, and, and there are others, but those are, those are some examples that would be difficult to forget. You know, when, when this happens, and your story is replayed hundreds if not more times a day around the country, where the diagnoses are being given to people, and you, you have to deal with the harsh truth, the harsh reality of what that diagnosis is, uh, even though many times the the patient doesn't feel as bad as the diagnosis sounds, uh, did uh, Bruce, your husband, have many warning signs prior to his diagnosis for that first round of esophageal cancer? Not at all, which was um, 
disconcerting. He was very healthy. He ran uh, probably six or eight miles a day, and if he wasn't doing that, he was biking. He'd go swimming for an hour. He could still wear his army uniform. So he he was one of the healthiest person I I, I know. He didn't smoke. There was just no indication that this was going to happen. And in fact, the the symptom that he got was um, just felt a little bit of discomfort. And he thought that because he had started a new regimen of push-ups, that um, it had something to do with that. And that's why he went to the doctor. What what did I, I think? Go yeah, ahead. I was going to say, what did he feel that the doctors? And- uh, prompted him to think a, there was a, a slight discomfort in his, um, well, I guess it would be his upper abdomen, lower chest. He thought mm-hmm. it was related to muscles. And it just wasn't going away. It, well, it hadn't even been there for very long. I mean, it was so minor, he didn't say anything to me at first. I would think it had been there for a couple of weeks, a month at most. When, when the doctor, one of the first questions that always comes up is, why? Uh, did you and Bruce question as to why him, or what did he do, and what caused this, or is there simply no explanation, which many times there is none? Right. We we didn't then, and we, we just kind of got down to business of dealing with it. And I guess another plus we had that I had had cancer nine years before, well, eight years before his diagnosis. And mm-hmm. it, it was breast cancer, so it wasn't as... Um, as serious as his, meaning it could be detected earlier. Right, right. And it's really... Better statistics. Yeah, that that, that you can detect it and you can treat it, whereas the ones that are deep in your body are much much more difficult to find. So, and he had been at um, my oncologist with me for all of my appointments, so we also had the benefit of an oncologist that also became his oncologist with whom we had an eight-year relationship. And, And we didn't question it. In fact, even as he got worse and when we knew that he was going to die from it, he did not allow us to say it wasn't fair. My daughter and I would have to go in another room to say it isn't fair if it got to the point we, we mm-hmm. couldn't do it. He just mm-hmm. um, he just took it as something that was happening and we'd had a wonderful life together and um, and he was just going to go forward. Yeah, there's the... Um was it the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross uh, stages of grieving, uh, mm-hmm. anger and negotiation and finally acceptance, and those kinds of things. Did did you feel you were going through that? Did you go through the denial stage and an anger stage and all of those things? You know, I don't have a memory of going through a lot of denial. I probably went through that quite quickly, and I did experience some some anger one time towards the end we were we were trying to take trips everywhere that we loved with the people that we loved so we were at the cherry blossoms in washington dc with our granddaughter and i remember walking down the street and looking at an ice cream vendor and there were a couple of people waiting to get ice cream and they were very unhealthy um overweight and and i looked at them and just thought to myself this is not fair. This is not fair. This is not fair. We've done everything right and and here's Bruce and they're they're doing ice cream. And I was very ashamed of myself for thinking it. That's about the only time I I remember doing that. And the grief part, um, one of the real pluses of dying, dying well the way Bruce did in terms of being very open and all of us knowing that he was dying 
Nobody had the illusion that he was going to live. Mm-hmm. So I got to grieve with him. I actually went through that grieving stage. Well, let, let's talk about that grieving in a moment. We're going to take a short break. We're, we're talking about dying well uh, with Susan Descharm Hoban, uh, who wrote a book on the subject. Uh, so we're going to take a break. We'll be back joining Susan uh, to uh, further explore uh, what what's going on with life and death here. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Nick Phillips, The Advocate. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. How's your back? Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free. Advanced funeral planning is a good idea. Nick Phillips here for Bush Funeral and Crematory Services. When we were faced with the task of recording final wishes, we turned to the caring professionals at Bush. Thanks, Nick. Mark Bush here. We make it easy for you to get started. Download our Seniors Guide to Funeral Arrangements at bushcares.com or call 800-252-8724 and ask to speak with a funeral planning specialist. Visit bushcares.com. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. Welcome back, Cleveland. This is Nick Phillips. Uh, thank you for joining us for our final segment tonight. 
Um, we're, we're talking about dying well and how this happens, of course, uh, ultimately to all of us and everyone we know. It's the human experience. Uh, with us tonight, we're talking to Susan Ducharme Hoban, uh, who wrote a book, Dying Well, based upon her experiences with uh, her husband, who died of cancer. Susan, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Nick. And, and where are you calling from? I'm calling from Connecticut. Okay, good. We're all in the same time zone, at least. Very good. Yeah, good. <laughs> but uh, in, in any event, uh, you documented your experiences with, uh, with you, your husband, your family, his uh, employer, his uh, professional co-workers, uh, and with hospice and all of these. They're, and, and tracking through the emotions and beliefs and what sustained you through this to the end is, is always an important thing, and, and your book does a good job in sort of walking through these days with you. At one point when we were talking, I wrote down the word hope, uh, and the way I picture the way you approached death was when your husband received his diagnosis, it seemed like almost a matter-of-fact reality that, okay, well, let's get to what, whatever we need to get to to take care of it. And, and move forward and, and hope at that point uh, was I assume hope in the system and, and medicine to to take it but you did some internet research and found out some harsh realities about the statistics of survival what did you find well we, fu- we found that the survival rate was um, a five year survival rate of five percent and that when it was found at a uh, the late stage that Bruce's was a stage four that um, it was, and when you could detect the symptoms, that it was even lower than that. So, and I'm so glad you brought up hope because one of the really important messages that I'd like to get across is the idea of when he was diagnosed, we were hoping for a cure, and um, as as anybody would, and really pinning everything on the fact that we would do whatever. It took in terms of the chemotherapy, and he also, when we finished that, and he thought he was done, had to have prophylactic cranial irradiation, which means they radiated his brain, even though there was no cancer there yet. So we kept hoping that this was going to uh, cure it. And when we found out that it hadn't been cured, and he had to make the decision as to whether to keep going with more chemo, some people would characterize his decision to stop treatment as giving up hope. And he wasn't. He just wasn't hoping for a cure anymore. He was hoping to have the best possible life he could right up until the end. And because of that, our, our priorities were just crystal clear. And, and it had to do with whatever he needed that could make his last months, however long it was going to be, the best it could possibly be and by doing that it also gave us just a wonderful loving experience the benefits to us were huge so people should decide to stop treatment it's not giving up hope it's just redirecting it i understand that but that that had to be such a benchmark moment where uh, you're hoping for life hoping to continue all the good times that you had for all these years followed by uh, realizing the reality 
the harsh reality that it's probably not going to work and it's going to degrade your life for what time and what life you have left. Uh, it sounds like you're able to function, which what I would call the, the epitome of logic at the time and uh, facing the reality of, of the situation and choosing and controlling where you're going from here. Uh, was that a, a, a long debated decision or was it something that your husband Bruce came up with or did you talk it out together to uh, give it, up it was on not, It was not long debated at all. And in fact, when, when he made the actual decision to stop treatment, we hadn't talked about it specifically. From that time I described where it was, it was obvious that, um, that he wasn't eating <clears throat> Um, I didn't even ask him what was going on. That that night in bed, I did say that I, I thought we should probably go see the oncologist. But the decision was his personally. I think over time, over the many years together, we, we had talked enough about death and observed enough. So my, my father died very poorly in a hospital with people trying to keep him alive till the end, long past when he should have. Whereas my mother died very, very well. One of his brothers was dying and was not um, up front and communicating about it. So every time that we saw somebody die, we talked about it and, and translated that in terms of what we wanted. And I think that helped. So when well, I'm we got sure it, to I'm the sure it did. reality of his, you know, we had already talked through it. Well, having a spouse uh, also is something, you know, with the divorce rates being what they are in the United States and elsewhere, having a long-term relationship and a spouse to go through this with you, I'm sure was a great comfort to Bruce uh, in, in doing oh, and, this. And, and for me, in fact, I'm, I'm a widow, obviously, so um, it's going to be quite different for me. But there, there oh, I, was. I'm not, I'm not sure what it's going to be like for me. I'm yeah. to be alone and to not have that support. I have my children, but that's different. Well, it, it's part of the human experience, and uh, you know. And another fortunate thing is that you had the cancer experience before Bruce went through it, and you were able to share some things from the other side of the table for him, which yeah. must have helped. And, and, and even more important than the cancer experience, which was a bit scary, and I don't want to minimize it, but I was. Um, through the can almost through the cancer treatment, I'd had a lumpectomy and I had chemo, and I was four weeks into a six-week program of radiation, and I had emergency open-heart surgery for an unrelated benign tumor in my heart that oh was the size of a jumbo egg. And when that happened, we Bruce and I had a very serious discussion about my end-of-life wishes. So that wasn't just logical or, you know, somebody removed. That was, that was me. Mm -hmm. So we had, we had had that discussion, very forthright. And I did survive, obviously. And after that, we had a different appreciation of life, which I think is very difficult to have if you haven't faced death. So I, we I celebrated see. life every single day. Well, in our last few minutes, uh, you know, this is pretty voice is even grim as we're talking. On, <laughs> but on, it's not, my story is not a grim story. No, because I wanted to end this on a, on a high note. Uh, the fact that the time you had, you utilized to the max. Um, just a couple of quick words about hospice. How, how did hospice 
fit into your plans and your attitudes toward Bruce's death? I, it would not have been possible to do it without them, and I did not know enough about what they did when we used them. We, we were able to um, just have hospice visits at home because of the nature of Bruce's um, stopping of treatment. So he didn't just stop chemo. He also said no IV um, hydration and no feeding tube. So we only had hospice for 10 days, but they were amazing, not just the medical help, but the I didn't realize that they had a social worker. So they had someone who helped my daughter and I mm-hmm. um, even practice how to tell her two-year-old daughter that, that uh, her pa was dying. And they had a spiritual advisor that although we did not follow an organized religion, um, the spiritual discussion and help was invaluable. And then just having a, even if the person, the nurse wasn't there, I remember calling their online nurse in the middle of the night near the end with an issue. And uh, I, I wish I had known more about everything that they do. We would have started earlier and we could not have done it without them. Well, uh, Susan Ducharme Hoban, uh, the book is called Dying Well. Our journey of love and loss, and I found it to be a very complete user's guide <laughs> as to step by step all the elements that uh, one is going to face. Uh, you can uh, pick up the book, I assume, at a bookstore if there are any bookstores left, uh, or on Amazon and other places. Yes, that's correct. Any any bookstore, even the independent ones, so, which are the ones that are probably more in danger than the others. So while well, the book is out there if you need it and uh, need to read it, but probably a best time to read it when you don't need it <laughs> and find out <laughs> what's to do. Susan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure, Nick. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same station, right here in WHK. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind for company The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Are you looking for help with your roof? With over 20 years of experience, Klein Home Exteriors is your roofing expert. Proud of their Amish heritage, Klein is instilled with an eye for excellence. In addition to shingle roofs, Klein also provides a variety of metal roofing options with the best warranties and financing available. They can also have your roof done in a day, including full cleanup. Call for a free quote today at 330-601-2749 or go to KleinHomeExteriors.com. Klein Home Exteriors, your home exterior experts. Message and data rates may apply. Individual results may vary. See website for details. But hey, I'm buying a huge flat screen TV so I can finally see it without my glasses. Why not just get LASIK at the LASIK Vision Institute? That's what I'm doing. Uh, My glasses and contacts are a pain. I'd love to finally get rid of these, but who can afford LASIK? You can. Because the LASIK Vision Institute is offering dramatically low prices and an absolutely free consultation. Just text TRY to 350-350. The LASIK Vision Institute has already performed over a million procedures. They use the latest FDA-approved LASIK technology that helps the majority of patients achieve 20-20 vision for a fraction of what others charge. 
Better vision, better value. The LASIK Vision Institute. Make this the year you finally get LASIK. For a free consultation plus an extra 20% discount, text TRY to 350-350. You'll see for free if LASIK is right for you. That's T-R-Y to 350-350. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that gates and lights at railroad crossings protect everyone better than signs. So why are your tax dollars paying for signs when gates have been proven scientifically to be far safer? And why do safe drivers keep paying the consequences? Report ungated crossings at angelsontrack.org because bad crossings kill good drivers. Sponsored by Angels on Track, aired by OAB and the station. Have you tried our app? Check out AM 1420 The Answer on the Google Play Store or App Store today. I'm Dennis Lewin. Join me every Saturday afternoon from 2 to 4 and hear the music and life stories of the great musicians and composers who shaped the world of classical music. Only on 1220 WHKW, The Word. This is AM 1420, The Answer, WHK, Cleveland, a service of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.